Janice Henderson is a global asset manager offering a full suite of actively managed investment products. You can invest in their funds directly or through your financial planner or broker. To find out more about their range of funds and active ETFs, visit JaniceHenderson.com. Welcome to Investing Compass. Before we begin, a quick note that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into account your personal situation, circumstances, or needs. So today, we're going to explore two different M words, Shani, that are related to investing. And I know I perpetually disappoint you, but <laughs> neither of them are managed funds. All right. Is this a guessing game? Uh, yeah, go for it, All mate. Right. Um, morning style. Money, no. M&A? M&A, no, no. And those are strange combinations. Are you <laughs> trying to say that Morningstar is going to be purchased or purchase don't, something? Yeah, don't read too much into it or maybe do. Wow, Shani is, <laughs> Shani is on the inside. She's in the know. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, let's not make the whole episode a guessing game, Shani, so I can just come out and say it. What about money market account? is also not money market account. Okay. The two M words, Shani, are margin and moat, and they're both related. Okay, well, I think my guesses would have made for a much more exciting episode, but we can get started on your two M words. Okay, so Shani will not be announcing a major <laughs> transaction involving Morningstar today, but maybe a little bit later. Who knows? You know. Anything could happen. All right, so let's start with some definitions. So at a high level, margin refers to how much a company keeps of what they sell. Now, there's lots of different margins, but the basic concept is that a company sells a good or service for a certain price, and then there are all sorts of expenses to create that good or service, and then all sorts of expenses related to just running a company. And we hear a lot about the top line and the bottom line. The top line is the revenue or the sales that the company has. That is a top line on an income statement. When you hear things like Apple experienced strong top line growth, that means that they just sold more stuff than they previously have. So more iPhones, Macs, AirPods, just more. Then an income statement has lines that represent all those expenses that Mark talked about. And in the last line or the bottom line represents the profits that a company takes. Your mother would be proud of that clear description of accounting <laughs> terms. So- while there's lots of different margins that allow us to look at different aspects of a company's performance, one of the most important figures is the net profit margin. That is dividing the profit by the revenue. So if a company had revenue of $100 and a profit of $50, that is a net profit margin of 50%. Which incidentally is really good. Yeah, no, that is really good. And the second word that we are covering today is moat. A moat or economic moat refers to a company's ability to keep competitors at bay. Let's take a step back and explain this. Capitalism is competition. When working properly, a capitalist economic system means that companies are out there competing for customers. And in general, that competition revolves around producing a better good or service by selling things cheaper than other companies or by some combination of both, a quality good at a reasonable price. And that's, of course, all very good for us as consumers. So competing over producing a better good or service benefits us because we get better things to buy. And competing on price means you get to buy them for cheaper. But if I take my consumer hat off and start to think about being a business, I soon understand that competing sucks. I constantly have to worry about competitors, what they are doing, 
and their products, how much they're selling for. I have to constantly invest in my products and services that I offer to make them better. And that, of course, costs money. And I constantly have to try and make things cheaper, put them on sale, or try and create that good or service for less. And we don't like competition as investors. We own the company and that profit is ours. So if the company has to invest in creating better products or the company has to cut prices, that means less profit. And some companies are able to fend off this competition. They have a competitive advantage over other companies. And what we are looking for is companies that have a sustainable competitive advantage, which of course is a moat. And the sustainability is important because often you could have a temporary competitive advantage by being the first to market. For instance, MySpace had a competitive advantage by being the first mover in social media. They launched on August 1st, 2003. Facebook didn't launch until February 2004. And that competitive advantage lasted for a bit, but it, was not, it wasn't sustainable and Facebook took over and dominated the industry. And they did that because users felt they had a better product. Did you have a MySpace account, I Shani? did, actually. Did you? Yeah. What'd but you... then I moved to Bebo. What is Bebo? It it didn't exist after a very short amount of time. But basically what you did is you had a list of your friends and you had to rank them. So you wow. had to rank <laughs> yeah. Talk about brutal competition, huh? I know. So that was a huge thing in high school. Really? Yeah. Did you ever get to number one on somebody else's A few. I mean, list? it was sort of like, you know, mutual. So if you were first on someone's account, you kind of expected to be first on Yeah. All right. So if we were, if we had Bebo right now, (laughs) where would I be? Do you want, do you want to know the answer to that? Yeah, I do. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be anywhere on Will's because you're not friends with him or anything. Well, that's, that's true. And where would I be on yours? Let's move on. Okay. (laughs) Well, anyway, Shani was talking about, of course, examples of early mover advantage and how it can be fleeting, but there's lots of examples, right? So Yahoo Search started in March of 1995 and Google didn't launch until three years later. And the point of all this is that a company needs both a competitive advantage and the ability to maintain that competitive advantage over the long term. So at Morningstar, we have two different moat rankings. So we've got narrow moats, which we believe will last for 10 years, and wide moats, which we believe will last for 20 years or more. We won't go through all the different moat sources because we cover that in our episodes, Why Bright for Shares. That's right, Shani. So the point of today is to tie our two M words together, moat and margin. A moat can feel like a really conceptual thing. And in a way it is. Determining if a company has a moat involves studying the industry and the competitive dynamics around a company. It means understanding what consumers are looking for and the qualities or all the products of all the products offered. It means understanding if there are structural issues or legal statutes that protect a company. But the results of a moat are far from conceptual. They show up in something tangible, and one of those tangible things is the margin. So as we said before, investing more in producing better goods or services means that a company makes less money since their costs go up. Selling goods for cheaper means a company makes less money, but the impacts of competition are, of course, bad for us as investors. Now, the reason that we're talking about margin is because it's a really important issue for investors right now, given inflation and some other economic factors. It's also really important because margins right now are historically high. And we did talk about this also on a previous episode, but we'll summarize it again. We looked at the period between 
2000 and 2011, while Shawnee was ranking people in Bebo, <laughs> the margin on the S&P 500 was 6.2%. Over the last decade, it has grown to 13.4%. And a lot of the earnings growth that we've seen has actually been margin expansion. The environment we've been in since the early 80s has been lower taxes, less bargaining power for workers, increased globalization, and increased efficiency through automation and other technological advances, mainly the computer, the internet, and data crunching. All of this has been amazing for companies. And there's certainly all sorts of signs that this may be coming to an end, including COVID-related rethinking of global supply chains, tensions between Western countries and China, and of course, what is happening in Russia. We've also seen higher interest rates, a shortage of workers, and all sorts of things that may bring down margins. And a reversion to the mean could be really serious. If the S&P 500 went back from 13.2% to 6.2% and valuation levels didn't change, that would represent a 46% drop in the index. Now, obviously, that wouldn't happen overnight and it would be a slow reduction in margin, but that could eliminate or at least really slow earnings growth going forward. And that's why we want to talk about how moats protect margins. And we'll go through a couple examples so you know what to look for. So everyone loves the banks, Shani. So let's look at them. So the big four in Australia all have wide moats from our analysts. And that is because of their market share and the switching costs or the reluctance of consumers to switch banks. And their market share, of course, gives cost advantages related to their scale, meaning they can spread fixed costs to a wider customer base and get cheaper funding from both depositors and on the wholesale market. And CBA has a net profit margin over the past five years of 40%, and that's huge. If we look at Bank of Queensland, which is a much smaller bank and does not have a moat, their profit margin over the past five years is 25%. And in business, you need to work really hard for customers. So being able to make 15% more off of every dollar they spend with you is awesome for shareholders. And in this environment, that is a very good thing, of course. Janice Henderson is a global asset manager who seeks to connect investors with the insights and the knowledge that empower you to make better investment decisions. Through times of market calm or growing uncertainty, they seek to ensure their investors are on the right side of change. And Janice Henderson is an active manager with more than 350 investment professionals located in all major markets around the world. And they selectively invest in what they believe are the most compelling opportunities across equities, fixed income, multi-asset, or alternative investments. You can invest in Janice Henderson's funds directly or through your financial planner or broker. And three of their funds are now available as active ETFs here in Australia. To find out more about their range of funds and active ETFs, visit JaniceHenderson.com. That is JaniceHenderson.com. All right, so let's look at deteriorating margin. If we go back and look at ZIP over the past few years, we can see the issue with changing margins. In 2018, the net margin was minus 57%, and it was negative because ZIP was losing money. In 2019, it dropped to minus 13.4%, and then in 2020, it dropped to minus 12.7%. Now, we naturally see this with young companies. Initially, they'll lose a good deal of money, but as their revenue increases, they'll eventually overcome the fixed costs associated with the new and expanding business. Yeah, so up until 2020, everything looks pretty normal. That margin keeps dropping and gets closer and closer to zero. It will soon tick over and Zip will become profitable. 
but that negative 12.7% was actually the high water mark. In 2021, the margin dropped down to negative 54%. And what happened? If we look at revenue, it grew 153%, which is really good. But then we start looking at expenses. The cost of that revenue went up 202%. Staff costs were up 272%. Marketing expenses went up 649%. The most troubling sign is the cost of that revenue because it's directly related to what they sold, which means it's costing them more to source funds that they lend out, or perhaps they are cutting the amount that they are charging for their goods and services. For instance, if they are faced with increasing competition, they could choose to charge a lower interest rate or lower fees so that people pick them over their competitors. Increased staffing and marketing could be considered an investment in the future, but the fact that marketing went up so much could also be a sign that they're struggling to compete. Because like product innovation and like cutting prices, another way to compete and get new customers is to market. In that case, you're worrying if the amount they are spending on customer acquisition is more or less than the lifetime value of the customer they acquired. Now, in this case, our analyst doesn't think Zip has a moat. So those issues we could that, that we're seeing could be related to the relentless competition in a still developing industry. The takeaway is to continue to think about each company in a very basic sense, the same way you would think about a small business. Don't get caught up in the corporate spin you get in earnings releases or the overly complicated way investing is portrayed. Over time, we're interested in companies that can grow their earnings. That happens in two ways. You sell more stuff or you keep a high percentage of what you sell. And in an ideal world, you are doing both. So with large established companies that have had high margins over years or decades, you want to look at the trend. How are they changing? How is it changing over the years? And remember that certain years can be anomaly. So go and look at longer periods, like a five-year average. And with younger firms, you're going to want to take a look at trends again, but you may have less of a time period to look at and there may be more volatility. Try and figure out why there are big changes and be very worried if you're seeing less margin in the difference between sales and costs of goods sold. That is called gross margin. Even if a company is investing in growth activities like marketing or product development, the gross margin should get better over time because that's an indication that the company can at least scale a bit from increased sales. All right. So we did it, Shani. We did two M words. Mm -hmm. We compared them. We learned about this Bebo thing, (laughs) or at least I learned about this Bebo thing. And now I'm worried about where I would rank Mm -hmm. and what I could do to move up in the rankings. Luckily, you don't have to worry about it. Because it doesn't exist. Yeah. But you have a mental Bebo board, (laughs) don't you? I do, yeah. Okay. Anyway, well, I think it's safe to say I am very close to the bottom or not on it. But thank you guys for listening. All of the listeners of Investing Compass are at the top of Shani's Bebo board. (laughs) Thank you very much. We love ratings or a comment in your podcast apps. And please share this with your friends and family. So our sponsor for today's episode is Janice Henderson. Janice Henderson is a global asset manager offering a full suite of actively managed investment products. You can invest in their funds directly or through your financial planner or broker. To find out more about their range of funds and active ETFs, visit JaniceHenderson.com. Any advice in this podcast is general advice or regulated financial advice under New Zealand law prepared by Morningstar Australasia Proprietary Limited and or Morningstar Research Limited without reference to your financial objectives, situations or needs. You should consider the advice in light of these matters 
and any relevant product disclosure statement before making any decision to invest. To obtain advice for your own situation, contact a financial advisor.